Now, you might not believe this, but the career path of almost every super successful individual included having a job just like the one you have now. You're either going to or coming from work, so we might as well talk about it today on Your Way to Work. And now, your host, Ricardo Witte. Hello and welcome to On Your Way to Work, the show that talks not to employers, not to managers, but to you, the worker on the workplace floor. My name is Christian Witted, and I'm here today with Rick Witted, our usual host. You know, back in season one, episode four, we interviewed Alan Rajanis on the topic of offense in the workplace, and he made a statement that I really loved. He said, the three most important things in our workplace relationships or any relationship for that matter, are communication, communication, and communication. In that vein, I just want to throw a few workplace scenarios at you, Rick. For example, how do I talk to my boss or coworkers if I'm afraid of approaching them in the first place? So good question. And I do remember that, um, that episode. That was actually a really, really good episode. I'd encourage anyone, if you're dealing with any type of offense, and that can happen so easily in personal relationships and definitely in workplace relationships. That That's a good episode to go back and listen to, season one, episode four, uh, Alan Rajanis, How to Handle Being Offended in the Workplace. So yeah, I remember that quote saying that the first, second, and third most important thing is communication, and he's so, so right. I have, there's been hundreds of time in my own career and in observing others or managing others that I've seen, you know, communication faux pas really uh, deal a blow, a, a real hit to a person's career momentum and or to how they're viewed in the workplace by managers, coworkers, etc. So your first question um, is interesting, uh, how, how to approach someone that um, that you're afraid to approach. Am I right? Is that pretty much what you're asking? Yes, or apprehensive, nervous, all in that same anxiety vein. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I probably need to get a couple of my guests on the show who are more in the counseling vein to answer some of those. But let me just give you my my answer from experience. So there's something going on inside of you, right? If you are afraid to approach someone, then that fear, it is very possible that it stems from the type of relationship you have with that person. So my first question is, what type of relationship do you have? Uh, because that really determines the nature of, of how you communicate and what you communicate with another person. So the relationship is important, and you've got to step back and be able to answer that. But even there, Kristen, I, I would say uh, to the listeners that if you are apprehensive to approach somebody, it probably has nothing to do with your boss. It may sound weird, but it probably has nothing to do with your boss. Um, it probably has to do with something in your history, whether that is a parent that was 
very, very, very critical and judgmental of everything you did. And so you, you hesitate whether there is something in you with, with what I call the little teapot syndrome. You want people to see you. It's got to be perfect. So if you're going to approach you know, your boss, you're, you're thinking, oh, I got to say this. And what if they say that? And you kind of adjudicate this entire conversation in your mind and you have full belief that it's happened even though that conversation is just in your head. And so you try to make these moves to kind of anticipate what people are going to say. And, and at the end of the day, you don't say anything. Or you're afraid to say something or it comes out all, all jumbled. If you're afraid to approach your boss to ask a question of any kind or if you're apprehensive, I'd really say step back and realize, um, I think Don Whitestone said this a couple weeks ago on, on one of our shows, your boss is not the boogeyman. They're not a wolf. They're not going to eat you. They're not going to kill you. They're not going to destroy you. So approach them. Ask the question. If, if in the back of your mind you still hear a very critical loved one or parent or whatever, that's not your boss. Don't adjudicate that experience out on them and preclude yourself from, from approaching them to have a conversation. You cannot grow your career at all if you don't have a healthy level of communication with your boss, with your coworkers, and anyone around you that are needed to you being able to get your job done. So what you're essentially saying is find the root or the cause of your anxiety or fear in the first place. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not always this. If, if you have a fear of communicating, it's not the communication that you're afraid of, right? There's something that's there. And that we could talk, you know, 50 episodes just on this subject going down the path. But there is something going on typically from experience and from just talking to so many people, it has to do with, you know, relationships of the past, right? And we tend to judge and measure the relationships we have now by the relationships we've had in the past, right? And if so, if I was in a very important relationship to me, you know, spouse, mother, father, best friend, and that relationship, the dynamic of our communication was one in such that the, the loved one would say or communicate to me in a way that caused anxiety, then I am much more likely to communicate or I'm, I'm much more likely to approach communicating with anyone else, um, particularly someone that's important. And a boss is important, Right. I'm much more likely to approach that conversation in the same way. So if I was apprehensive about the significant, important relationship of my past or even my present that causes apprehension, I'm going to, it's more likely that I'll be apprehensive into this relationship. So I would say to any listener that's hearing this, if that's you, if you're afraid to approach your boss um, and communicate with them, just step back and just play the movie backwards. You know, what relationships in your past, you know, from, from now till, you know, as early as you can remember, that cause apprehension, right, when there was a communication. 
So we just talked about fear, anxiety, and nervousness. Let's switch perspectives for a second. Let's say I don't quite have that fear or that anxiety, mm -hmm. but I'm in the middle of a conversation and it seems like everyone else knows what this topic is about, but I'm clueless. How do I go about, how do I deal with that? Yeah. So first of all, just you're in great company. Because I declare, I, I sometimes I'm I'm in meetings every week of my life, and I'm going, what are they talking about? I have <laughs> no clue. Um, and you know, sometimes it's not about um, having all the answers. Um, it's about knowing how to go and find the right answers, right? So don't don't let that stress you out. You know, if you're sitting at a table and they're having a conversation, and you you have no idea what they're talking about. That that could be, you know, there, there could be a ton of reasons why that is. I'd say a couple things. One, take good notes, right? Because you want to go back when that conversation's over and uh, find someone that you can trust to give you the right answers, right? So one, take good notes. Two, find a buddy, right? And that buddy could be a coworker. It could be your boss, but find someone that can validate the questions you have. So sometimes, I'll give you an example. For, for instance, if I'm sitting in a meeting and Christian, you and I are in this meeting and there's 10 other people at the table in this meeting and they're talking and I have no idea what they're talking about, but I heard the word, hey, relatability, and, and this is important to relatability. And, and I'm thinking, what? Relatability? First time I've heard that. <laughs> that <laughs> That term, relatability, what the heck? So I'll just, I'll just write a little note, relatability, question mark, question mark, question mark. And I'll just keep going through the conversation. If, and if I'm hearing things that I, I don't quite understand, then I am going to just write down questions. And then after that's over, I'm going to search you out, Christian, and go, Christian, what in the world were they talking about relatability? I, you know, I got a couple questions here. This is the first one. What, what was that about? And, you know, I'm going to Christians because I know Christian typically, you know, I'm using this as an example, Christian typically would know the answer or, you know, know how to find the answer. Or if I'm in a good enough relationship with my boss, then, you know, I'll just go to my boss and say, you know, ma'am, sir, you were talking a little bit earlier about relatability, and I didn't quite follow that. I had a couple questions. You mind if I, can you tell me what that was, right? And I kind of go from there. Now, Rick, is there ever a time where you would ask those questions during the meeting? Yeah. Here's the most important lesson we all need to know when it comes to feeling like you're clueless in the room. There's only one completely stupid question, an unasked question. If you don't know, just, you know, raise your hand and say, hey, relatability, I hadn't heard that term before. Can you explain that a little bit to me? How, how does that work in the, the course of this? And, and here's what I, I almost, you know, guarantee you, somebody else in the room is going, oh, I'm so glad he asked that question because <laughs> I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> So and I've I've done that a million times, right? So yeah, I think it's it, it is fine to ask the question. You'll get a sense of the nature of the conversation. If it's let's get this done, let's keep moving full speed ahead, it may or may not be the place to ask the question. 
you know, but for the most part, yeah, I think you can absolutely ask uh, any question during the conversation. Find your spot, right? You you also don't want to be there in every five sentences. You're going, what does that mean? And what does that mean? And what does that mean? Because it might mean, what it might mean is you shouldn't be at the table. (laughs) So... But the the only dumb question is the the unasked question when you don't know the answer. All right. So now I can deal with myself being clueless. What do I do when my boss or management is clueless? What do I do when my boss has the wrong answer and I have the right answer? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. So the first thing that I would say is be very careful. And you better be certain you have the right answer. And so how can you know if you do, right? Because what I mean by that is some people don't know when not to die on the hill. A lot of people who believe they're absolutely right, they're always right, they're mostly right, and they're perfect. And you just have to be careful with that in a relationship with a boss, right, or a manager or a team lead or whatever. None of us are always right. None of us are mostly always right. All of us absolutely are right in understanding what we mean and what we meant. But what we mean and what we meant, and I've said this often on the show, do not always translate into what people see, right? And so just because you think you're right, you may or may not be, just be very sure. So how can you, what's the litmus test there? So if I'm, if, if I'm at work, and I've done this many times, and I'm in a meeting or I'm talking with my boss and my boss gives a fact, and I know that that has not worked or I found a better way to work, uh, uh, do that from experience, then I am going to say, um, you know, let's just assume, Christian, you're my boss, right? So I'd say, well... Yeah, Christian, I, I, I absolutely understand that point. Here's what I've found when I've done that, right? When I, when I did that, this, you know, th- it worked for me this way, and I found it to be much more efficient. We were able to get it done quicker. I, I was able to save money or, you know, whatever. And so th- the way you approach your boss is not, man, you're wrong, fool. What is wrong with you? That's not going to get you too far. But if you step back and go, hey, I, I totally understand that, um, I, you know, I found this also to work for me, right? And then I just go into it, right? I am not threatening. Um, that statement is not a statement of, of, you know, fact versus your fact, right? It's, it's more, hey, I, I absolutely understand that or, you know, I, I know that's the way we've been doing it. Um, or yeah, I, I heard that as well. And, but from, here's what I've found that's worked from experience. And then one of the ways to always, you know, make that less of a fight or a potential fight is to always finish that, that interaction with this very important phrase. So what are your thoughts about that? Right. When you do that, now you're pulling the person back in to evaluate your statement, right? Now, my only caution is if that person's kind of a power driver or a bulldog, you know, know, and if they come back at you, then don't come back again, right? It's just not not worth it. It's just not worth it, particularly if they're the boss, right? (laughs) At the end of the day, I don't care how right or wrong you think you are, 
you got to do what they tell you to do, and that's important, and you just got to know this. If, if it fails and you did exactly what they told you to do, it's their fault, right? So I, I don't know if that helps a lot. I think it does. Essentially what you're saying is be respectful and then always give them the opportunity to, like you said, give their thoughts or respond. Because if you just basically tell them that they're wrong, no matter how nice you said it, you're still saying you're wrong. Absolutely. I, I call them soft transition phrases, right? And it works. Those soft transition phrases like, hey, I absolutely understand that. I've also found this, right? I didn't say you were wrong. I said, hey, I have something that comes along beside what you know, and this has worked for me. And it, it takes away the fight. And then being able to always end that back and forth after you've made a statement about something with, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. What are your thoughts about that? Or have you tried that? Or how have you, have you have, has anyone else approached it that way before? You, you, it, just, it just softens that back and forth and it, ta- it, it, it makes it less of a give and take and more of a conversation, right? Uh, more of a let's compare notes than anything. Real quick, we are coming up on the end of the show here now. So I have. Wow, already? Yes, already. Good I know. Christ, I've only answered a couple questions. All right, <laughs> let's, let's try to see if we can get as many as we can. Go. Yeah, so I have one final one here for you. And I think this one is a good one to end on. You want the promotion. You want more responsibility, pay or. or you just want more. Exactly. You just want more. How do you ask? Hmm. Well, you don't always ask, right? Um, if, so if, if you want a job and it's open, then, yeah, you absolutely have to, you know, ask if you want it. I, I'm a, I am a big believer that, you know, and, hey, I wrote the book, right? You don't get promoted. You at work. You you outgrow your space at work and people see you performing in such a way and they say, hey, you know what? We This guy is being very profitable for us uh, or efficient for us where he is. What if we put him in a bigger space? How much more efficiency or profitability could we gain by doing that? I, I, I am a big believer of that. That's tough for some folks because that's that's not a microwave play. That's that's a long-term play, and it can take a little while, and, and we tend to get antsy. But I'm a big, big believer of that. So so I, I, I think, you know, if, if you want more, if you want bigger, you know, I, I've always say this, right? I always say it. You know, if you want a bigger job, make your current job bigger. That being set aside, I, I that doesn't mean you don't ask for things. There's been several times in my career that I saw an opportunity and I was interested in it. Um, and I said to my boss, hey, I, you know, I'd love your thoughts. I'm, I, you know, I saw that, you know, this X, Y, Z position was open and I'm, I'm very interested in that for my career. And then in that conversation, the very next words that come out of my, my mouth are why. You know, I, explaining to my boss why that has appealed to me and why I think I could do that role. And then I'd, I'd go back to that soft transition phrase of, you know, I love your thoughts. Um, you know, I'm just sharing with you kind of where my head is. I'd, I'd love your thoughts on that. And you pull them in to the discussion. And what I found 
when I do that, when I do that, I've found most of the time my manager, A, tell me exactly what they think, right? Because I asked. Um, and they shared with me exactly what they thought. And if they thought I was ready, right, they they tell me that. If they thought I wasn't ready, they would tell me or I'd ask if they didn't tell me, hey, what what are the things that you think are preventing me from that? What are the gaps that I, I need to fill? What are my experience gaps, my skill gaps, or my exposure gaps that would prevent me from being able to do that job well or prevent me from being able to transition to, into that job effectively? And I think when you ask those questions, you get an answer. But let me give one big red light caution. When you're in that kind of discussion with your boss, two things. Let me change it. Two, two big cautions. One, don't be a person who's known for being impatient. And so what does that look like? Every job that comes up, you're asking for it and you're asking about it like everyone. And then particularly even worse when they're different, like this job over here is dealing with A, this one over here is dealing with Q. This one back here is dealing with Z. And every time each of those jobs came open, you had this conversation with your boss that that was like the one for you. You know, translation for me as a manager, my translation is you don't know what you want. You're, you're all over the place. Like you don't know what you want. And if you're coming to me, how in the world could I possibly know what you want? You want it, right? And what I get out of that picture is you just want a you just want a bigger job. You're not concerned about doing the job. You're not concerned about the job. You just want any job that's a bigger job. You're just blindly chasing a promotion, and that is a way for me to step back as a manager and say, I, I, I don't know if I want to endorse you or go out on a ledge because I'm not certain what you want. And the the last thing a manager could ever do for you is tell you what you want. That's something that you've got to decide for yourself. So that that would be, you know, my my take. I think my second red light, you know, warning there would would be, you know, don't be a person who is not good at taking advice and feedback. People are going to be very afraid to share with you tough stuff, right? And what has helped me grow as a person in my career as a worker in my my personal life as a father, as a husband, as you know, as a friend, you know, as a son, what has helped me the most in my life is the tough stuff. People having the courage to share the tough stuff with me. And to be honest with you, the people that love you the most, they'll tell you the most truth. So that that's that would be, you know, that's really not a set answer, but there's a lot of wisdom in that. I'd say pause the Pause the show and play it back again and listen to that. There is a lot of wisdom in that response. Really quickly, uh, we're at the end of the show here, and I just want to give my bullet points that I took away from this show. Uh, the first one would be, if you're afraid to talk to your coworkers or your boss, find what that root cause is and deal with that first. Second, if you're the clueless one in a conversation, take notes and ask questions. Don't always ask those questions during the conversation, but... Find that information out as quickly as possible. Third, if you're in a situation where your boss is, seems to you to be the wrong one and you're the right one, don't be afraid to offer your insight, 
but don't word it in a way in which they're inherently wrong. Yeah, it's extremely important. And then finally, if you want that promotion or you want more, you shouldn't always ask. But when you do, know why you want it, why you would be good at doing it, and ask your manager for their thoughts. Most importantly, be willing to accept their answer. And if that answer is hard to swallow, ask them what gap, whether it's a skill gap or experience gap or exposure gap, you have that would prevent you from doing that job or obtaining that position. Yeah, you know, Christian, I think you summed it up really well. That was, that was really good. This is so important, right? I mean, how we communicate really affects the most important of relationships in our lives. And since we spend, you know, nearly 60% of our awake time at work, doing work or work-related activities, bar none, right? This is an important relationship. And so we've got to learn to communicate. And, and it really starts with being open and honest. And, uh, you know, I think if we do that, we will literally find ourselves uh, progressing well down the right career path uh, in the right way. Give us a quick update on the book and the projects related to the book that you've been working on. I'm actually glad you asked that. I almost forgot about that. So uh, what's really exciting is that you can go to Amazon.com now and pre-order the book. And it's really cool. You can get it at a 25% discount. So go to Amazon.com, outgrow your space at work, or you can type in my name, Rick Witted, and the product will come up. It'll also give you a very nice brief description of what the book is about. On top of that, I think the reader is going to really be exciting. Listeners, I think you're going to really like what uh, what we're working on to complement the book. A couple of things. One, we have created an assessment that uh, it's going through the programming stages right now so that it's an online assessment that helps you figure out what is your definition of a promotion. I'm a big believer. I have just come to believe in all the research that I've done that one of the biggest career mistakes we make is managing our career expectations and making career decisions based on a definition for career progression and a promotion that's not really our definition. And so uh, we've designed a test and we've tested it quite a bit that's scarily accurate in helping you to figure out what is a promotion to you and uh, some things that you should do along with that. Also, the book is going to have a very uh, interactive component with it where each uh, chapter will have a, a summary video vignette, uh, me talking or some facts that uh, will really pull me into that reading experience with you. It'll almost be like you've got the author on your shoulder as you're reading the books. Yes, I'm very excited. I'm, I cannot wait to share it with the world and allow my listeners first, of course, and to allow others to, to, uh, to, be, be, to be blessed by this as I've been blessed. And remember, listeners, the launch date for the online assessment is in mid-December, and the official release date for the book is January 5th. You can check us out at facebook.com forward slash rawitted. You can tweet us at rawitted, and you can always check us out on the website, rawitted.com. Until next week, thank you for listening, and be blessed. <laughs>